0: Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Valentine's Day to every other holiday of the year. It's Justin Peach.
1: Good day to you, Ryan.
0: Justin, how are you?
1: I'm pretty, I'm I'm very good, actually. It's it's been a nice, nice weekend. I've been to the Peak District, very windy, very wet, not very nice, but I imagine a lot of Blackpool Blackpool fans might might have experienced the same sort of conditions. But yeah, very good. How are you, Ryan? How are you? It's your birthday.
0: It is my birthday. Thank you, Justin, for letting the world know. I'm great. I'm wonderful now that I'm <laughs> the ripe old age of 28 years young. Um, and I feel older as well after watching some of the football from this weekend. On the show this week, we're joined by Matt Broclair from the Fulham podcast Fulham Focus. Matt, how's it going?
2: I'm all right, birthday boy. Thank you very much. You all all right? Um, <laughs> wonderful, thank you. Absolutely. Super. I, I'm not having Welcome. you about your age, by the way. 28. Good grief. I've got <laughs> years on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> what can i say <laughs> uh,
0: welcome to the number one championship specific podcast He's second tier thank you for joining us wherever you are this weekend we had injury time goals outfielders going in goal and goalkeepers punching people and that was only in one game we also had massive shocks and a whole lot more so we'll go through all the weekend's games in the championship talk about some of the news from the past few days and then finish off with simon grayson's hateful eight you'll be surprised to know that fulham won again they beat Hull one 0 thanks to some guy called Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, Matt, you were there. Tell us how it was.
2: Yeah, he's not bad that Mitrovic fella, is he? Um, it was <laughs> it was a good day. Yeah, we we had a, a long, boozy little train trip um, up to up to Hull, and it was it was good fun. I had a really good day. Um, the match itself wasn't our best performance. It was pretty treacherous actually. Um, very wet. The pitch cut up. And it, it looked like something from, from the nineteen seventies by the end of it. I know they, they have rugby on that pitch as well, don't they? But it was um it was it was very muddy and very, very difficult to to play any kind of decent football, I think, which is probably why the winning goal ended up being off of Mitrovic's head. Um a couple of chances that we blew early on. Harry Wilson had a couple of good chances. Oh weren't um, Particularly brilliant, if if I'm honest with you. Um, I know we spoke in the week about um, about Derby's result with with Hull, didn't we? And uh, I, I think you said that that Hull weren't brilliant in that game either. And um, they were they were they were okay, but it was one of those games where I just felt like we were waiting to score, and and we just picked our moment. And once we got ahead, I, I didn't really see them getting back into it. And it's very difficult. When you're in the position that we're in, not to get carried away and be cocky and arrogant and say, we are we are a really good side. But we are a really good side. And we we put a lot of teams to the sword quite emphatically this season. And yesterday was just one of those more ugly wins. You know, we had a 3-2 at Stoke the other week. We had a 1-0 at Peterborough back in November. They're the types of games that we're capable of grinding out results in. Um, aside from the fact that we do play some very good football and and really hammer some teams as well. So all in all, you know, it's a brilliant season. Uh, I'm having a great time and a lot of us are. And, you know, just just can't wait to, to go to the next game again, really. Yeah,
0: I bet. When you're having a brilliant season like this, it's just enjoyable each week, isn't it? And I suppose, in a way, it's the old and most boring saying in football: when you're not playing well and you're still getting results, that's a sign of a good side, isn't it? And um, just in quick word on Hull before we go a bit more in depth on Fulham with Matt: three straight losses now for them. Are you worried about them at all?
1: Uh, I'm not worried. I think it's just the the transition from one manager to another, different setup, different maybe a slightly different style style of play. Um, but I thought this was a much better performance than it was against Derby, um, and Hull look a much better side with with Richie Smallwood in midfield. I thought he was one of the the better players um, in in the game yesterday for for both Hull and Fulham. Um, so yeah, getting him in the team is really important for this Hull side to to build upon what they've done so far this season. So I'm, I'm not worried, but. Um,
0: Yeah, it's just a bit of a transition from one manager to another, I think. I thought Mitrovic's goal was a nice bit of quality, Matt. It was a perfectly executed glancing header. Um, But more importantly, he's now matched Ivan Tony's record for the most championship goals in a season. And need to remind you that he's got 16 games to go. Matt, we have run out of ways to compliment Mitro at this point, considering we talk about him on a fairly regular basis. Mm. Can you say anything that hasn't been said about him a million times over the past six months?
2: No, I don't think I can. You know, we're, it's, we're, we just recorded our show before I came on and it's very difficult to keep finding superlatives to, to use to talk about Mitrovic. But I think his goal yesterday, it was, it was a moment of quality. And, you know, um, Nico Williams has put a great ball into the box. And mm. Mitrovic is always going to feed off of those chances, but his movement for, for the goal as well because it I, I felt like it looked like uh, when the ball was coming in, the defender should probably have been have been first to that to head it behind or something. But Mitrovic has just got around him and got his head on it. Um, and also, I love a headed goal, especially in a tight game. You know, the, we score some we score some great goals this season, but there's something really satisfying about a headed goal from open play into the bottom corner in front of you at the end where that you sat behind um and yeah I, I love the goal i love the guy he's he's been absolutely outstanding this season 31 goals 28 games and yeah we we've, we've got 16 games left and i think the actual record is 42 isn't it guy whittingham and you know what's that he he needs another another 12 goals to break that in 16 games and the ra- the ratio he's scoring in at the moment you wouldn't bet against him, would you? Absolutely not. The, the only thing yeah. I will say, and this is going to sound really arrogant, so I apologise for this, is that we're probably going to be promoted with some games to spare. And then does our form tail off once we're already up? And if we've got the championship already sewn up with a few games to go, does our form drop off? Do the chances that he's getting put on a plate for him start to dry up a little bit? You see it, don't you, when, when teams get promoted early that, you know, that things start to drop so that, that's the only thing I think that, that's going against him which which is a, a really weird thing to say but you know all the records that we can get this season I I, I just want them all because I know next season it's probably going to be a bit shit in the Premier League isn't it so we've, we've got to embrace this uh, whilst whilst we've got it I think and just I was saying to a mate of mine before I came on uh, you know we're, we're looking at the next away games we, we're going to do together and I just said we, we've got to do them all because you know it's, it's not going to be like this again for a long time. You've just got to enjoy a season like this when it's in front of you, I'm having such a yeah. good time.
0: Definitely. Mitro gets the headlines every week, doesn't he? Mm. So it's very easy for other players to not get spoken about by people like cause who do podcasts on mm. Championship Football every week. So who would you say has been the underrated hero of Fulham season?
2: Yeah, I, I, th- I think the obvious one that springs out is probably Harrison Reed. Um, he's a defensive midfielder who does a lot of the dirty work. Um, he, he's just, you know, he's, he's been played in a couple of positions in, in midfield this season, and I think since Jean-Michel serry went to, the, um, to went to Afcon with the Ivory Coast, I think you know he's he's now found his position sitting in front of the back four. Um, whereas before he was playing in a more advanced role and Seri would, would sit in front of the back four um, and when he gets into more advanced positions his shooting isn't isn't the best but he's he's one of the first names on the team sheet in the Premier League, funnily enough he's not started the last couple of games um, because Nathaniel Chalaba has come in and played very well and, and and it's going to be very difficult to see Chalaba getting dropped now so I don't really see where we go but uh, you're asking me who, who the underrated players are in this side and We've got a lot of kind of champagne names, haven't we? At this level, we, we've got Cabano, we've got um, we've got Harry Wilson, Tom Kearney, um, Anthony Robinson, uh, and then Williams on loan from Liverpool as well, Kenny Tete. So we, we've got a lot of big names at, at, at this level in our squad. So Harrison Reed is one of those players who does the ugly work really well.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. Fulham six points clear. Top of the table, they've got an 11-point cushion on Blackburn, who are in third. Um, Matt, we gave Fulham the stamp of promotion in midweek on the second tier. I'm guessing from what you were saying earlier, it's safe to say you'll be back in the Premier League come May?
2: I think so. It would be It's difficult to see how we could mess it up. I mean, i touch touching wood and everything, but... The, the way that we play, the players that we've got and the depth in our squad, I just don't see us being caught by anybody. And, it, and it's felt like that for a long time, to be honest. And, you know, Bournemouth got a a win yesterday. So I think it's five or six points but be, between us and Bournemouth now. But, you know, we've got a game in hand over Blackburn anyway, um, and they'll play again on Monday night. So we'll have two games in hand over Blackburn. QPR lost yesterday. We'll probably lose a few games between now and the end of the season. We've only lost four all season. Maybe we'll lose another two or three. I don't know. But if we do, I'm still not concerned because I think we're still winning enough games to get us over the line and pretty early, I think, as well. And again, it sounds really cocky, but I'm looking at which game I think we could be promoted by. And, you know, at this point, probably five or six games to go. We, we could do it at, at maybe maybe Middlesbrough or ideally the game before that against QPR would be nice to, to get promoted away at QPR would be lovely. But um, I think we, we'd still have maybe six or seven games to go at that point. So I don't know. But yeah, it, it definitely feels like we're going up this season for 100%. And I'm sorry if that sounds cocky to anybody listening. But, you know, as I said a minute ago, you have to embrace a season when you're playing so well. Um, and enjoy it and, and that's what we're doing so yeah absolutely
0: uh, final question then I feel a bit silly asking it because it is six months until the new Premier League season would be starting but do you think you would be better this time around compared to the previous two attempts which weren't particularly outstanding
2: yeah that, that's uh that's being very generous yeah um, uh, it's difficult because I still think that there's a few players that would need to be changed around, so it, it would depend. You know, the likes of Tim Ream probably isn't going to cut it at Premier League level because he's he's not quick enough. Um, there, there, there's a few changes we'd have to make, but the likes of Harry Wilson, Mitrovic, um, Seri, uh, Tosin, Tete, Rodak, probably probably all good enough to to play in the Premier League. But it just it just depends on who we bring in around those players. As to whether or not we make a better fist of it, but you know the likes of Brentford, Leeds, Villa, when they've gone up, teams teams do stay up. So I, I don't, I can't quite put my finger on what's what's not happened for us in in the past few seasons. We just haven't spent the money well enough, I suppose, when we go up. But I, Marco Silva is a, a a decent manager. Um, he's got us playing some great football, and he's a clever guy. So maybe, but. Uh, if if I was a betting man, I, I definitely wouldn't be putting much money on Fulham to stay up next season. But that's just because we've been burnt a few times in the past. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, it, it seemed like in the seasons before, the problem was you spent all this money on numerous players and you brought in probably too many players when you had a good enough squad as it, as it was. And you're looking at the side now thinking this is a pretty decent squad, could do with a couple of new names. And if that happens that'd be a better way of going about it rather than splashing the cash on a whole new squad. Do you know what I mean?
2: Absolutely. And the, the problem we've had in the past, and I think Tony Khan's learned from this as well, is that we've used the loan market in the championship to, to assemble a squad that's good enough to get promoted, but then not necessarily good enough to make that next step. You know, last time it was knockhart and Caviero and Bobby Reed and they're the players that got us up. And then as soon as we got up, all right, and Caviero ended up playing up front for most of last season on his own, which was which was a weird Scott Parker um, initiative. Um, but Anthony Knockout was sent back out on loans to Forrest. and Bobby Reed did okay. But a lot of those a lot of those loan players that we've had in the past just aren't good enough to play in the Premier League. So that team spirit that gets you up in the first place just gets completely dismantled. So then and then you have to start again and you buy a new squad. Uh, and the the Scott Parker Premier League season last season was really difficult because. He bought a new squad and changed the philosophy of, of the style of football we were playing to that of very defensive. Um, no Mitrovic in, in the team, which just seems bizarre now, doesn't it? That The guy who scored mm. 31 goals this season wasn't getting into the team last season instead of Ivan Caviero, who was playing up front. <laughs> in a, it, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's, it? It was bizarre at the time. But now you see what this guy's capable of. If you play to his strengths and you create chances for him, then... Yeah, he's an unbelievable player, and he and he loves the club as well. You know, he's he's had chances to leave before, and he's stuck with us when we've been relegated. So, yeah, we've we've got it wrong in the past. I just hope that we've learned this time, and we can just bring in a few players around and the right players, good players as well. Well, you know, in the past we've maybe maybe not got that right either. Um, and then then we've got every chance. I, I hope so. Um, but personally. I prefer a season where you're at the top of the championship and looking upwards, rather than scrapping to stay up in the Premier League. It's, it's far more enjoyable.
0: Well, who doesn't prefer the championship to the Premier League? That's Quite. always what I say. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Matt. For now, we'll come back to you later to play Simon Grace and Take for late. For now, me and Justin are going to go around the grounds, and we'll kick things off with a crazy game between Reading and Coventry, which finished three two. However. It was perhaps overshadowed by protests from the home supporters. Paul Mann is from the Reading podcast, Elm Park Royals. Paul will get onto the protest shortly. But how was the game yesterday?
3: Was a crazy match uh, yesterday. <laughs> typical of our last well two months of football. We take the lead, we give it away, we get back in the game, and then we end up losing again. Um, two deflections for the goals, but yet more Paul defending and just. I don't know. I want to take positives for Reading, but there just isn't many at the moment. If you're continuously losing and the manager doesn't seem to be able to step it up, it's just affecting the game yesterday. The substitutions I didn't understand, but... Oh, yeah, at least Jacqui Mete came in and he looked absolute quality. But yeah, it was absolute carnage for yesterday. And oh, I just want a calm game. At some point, just give me a calm game.
0: Yeah, you talk about the manager, Velko Paunovic's seventh straight loss now. There's been a lot of talk from fans about how he hasn't been sacked, but at the same time, there's also talk that you actually can't sack him because of a business plan, which, which, which would mean they get a points deduction if they do sack him. But right now, it must be pretty miserable being a fan watching this team play week in, week out.
3: It's incredibly miserable. Um, There's no upside to it, as you mentioned, there does seem to be a feeling that we can't actually afford to sack him because, reportedly and possibly, uh, the case is that he's on such a low wage compared to other managers comparatively, you know, he's not on minimum wage or anything. So we can't get anyone in. We could of course bring in a replacement from within, but yeah, the frustration levels are just absolutely huge at Reading at the moment towards the manager. Um. Everyone's had enough. Uh, if you could find a Reading fan that actually thinks Panovic should still be manager, I'd be amazed. Absolutely shocked because, no, it is. it should have ended months ago and it's just it's becoming embarrassing now.
0: Yeah, and Paul, tell us about the protest yesterday. What were the fans actually protesting about?
3: Um, yeah, well, the main three things of the protest are removal of the manager, everyone's lost faith, and um, secondly, it would be Keir jarrett because he's a major issue with the club um with set up he's just completely dominating the transfer market for us allegedly and players that come in and the management as well um and the third one would be the communication i mean the the open letter from the club during the week was an absolute farce and that's just a prime example of why people are frustrated with the club and that's why we're protesting against the situation of the club right now is Oh, it's just really draining supporting uh, Reading at the moment, I've got to say. And hopefully the protests do create some kind of reaction from the club. Who knows what that will be, though?
0: Thank you, Paul. Justin will have a brief chat about the protests in a sec. First off, the game, a lot to unpick because both teams had the chances. But the turning point seemed to be when Junior Hoyle was sent off. He gets two yellows in six minutes and then Coventry score two minutes after he's sent off.
1: How's your look? <laughs> it's as simple as that, isn't it? How's your look? It's it's um, it's frustrating. You know, Hoyl it's an experienced player, but at the same time, he's an, at- he's an attacker and the ball was there to to be won, but he's mistimed it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating for Reading because they've dropped more points from winning positions. I think they're just behind Bristol City um, and Stoke who've, who've dropped points from winning positions. Um, really poor defending again. It, it just seems to be the same thing over and over again. And Reading have got a lot of really good attacking players you look at the side that that was in um, that, that played today you've got the likes of Hoylett, you've got uh, lucas shaw got in a score sheet there was john swift as well really really frustrating um, because again they've they've conceded avoidable goals pretty much
0: Definitely. Gustavo Hamer scored probably the worst 25-yard volley the world has ever seen. <laughs> he slips and it just dribbles in. It may have taken a flexion on the way as well, um, but I found that quite funny. Uh, a rare bit of good news for Reading. Yaku Meite is back after missing the whole of the season so far with an ACL injury. He created a big chance as well when speeding past two Coventry players, so his return will be a big boost. It is ultimately seven straight losses now for the Royals, though, and that's part of the reason why fans have been protesting. Justin, what have you made of the action that's been going on from supporters? Um, this
1: isn't a criticism, but sometimes these sorts of things, they, they come t- too little too late at times. Um, you know, a, a lot of, and obviously, the, you know, there's not a lot of transparency from from the board anyway, and this is why fan representation on board is really important, because the transparency is there, the feedback is there, and fans know exactly what's going on. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it sort of feels like now or never for for Reading. They've they've got to they've got to stand up. The supporters have, and they've got to ask the questions as to where the club's going. Because make no mistake, Reading are, are, are a good football club. They've got some good players. But they seem rudderless. Um, a lot, a lot like Birmingham City. They're, they're completely ru- rudderless. They've wasted a lot of money on players over the years. They've sold players for peanuts. You know, Omar Richards went on a free transfer. Why was he not? Why was he not a protected asset? Michael Elise had a clause in his contract for just eight million pounds. You look at Eberechi. He went for twenty million pounds or over twenty million pounds, and Elise's of a similar level, if not going to be better. Um, it's it's quite staggering, really, how the club has been running over the years. And fans are right to ask questions.
0: I think their form at the moment pretty much sums up um, how the club has been run over the past few years as well. It was always going to come to a head at some point mm-hmm. and we're definitely seeing that now, aren't we? Reading are just sat above the relegation zone despite losing seven straight games. I think it is now two points uh, with a two-point cushion on Peterborough. Coventry sat 12th in the table with plenty of games of games in hand on some of the teams around them. At the Riverside Stadium, we saw a game which promised to be a tasty one with the back and forth going on off the pitch between the two clubs. It was Middlesbrough against Derby. Yes, it ended up not being much of a contest at all, really, because Chris Wilder's men comfortably won 4-1, but were simply dominated, didn't they, Justin?
1: They were They were so creative throughout. <laughs> You've got someone like Isaiah Jones, who was just brilliant again in this game. It's, it's quite stirring to see his rise, and the fact that Jed Spence is one of the best wing-backs in the league, and he's out on loan from Middlesbrough, um, is it, it's quite staggering, really, and you, you, Jones' form under Wilder has been so consistent as well throughout. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a game where I mean some of the goals that Borough scored were quite fortuitous, but at the same time they created an abundance of chances um and, and were quite worthy winners. They they made derby look very, very average. They made Derby look like they like we expected Derby to be at the start of the season. Really lackluster, um, pulled apart very easily and um, yeah, really poor performance from Derby, but credit to Burrow, they were they were brilliant.
0: Yeah, Isaiah Jones really did steal the show, didn't he? He was absolutely astonishing. Um, And what else is absolutely astonishing is that this guy has come into this Middlesbrough side with very little experience at senior level and played as well as he has done this season. You could Mm. make a very valid argument that he's been their best player this season because he is the complete package as a wing-back, isn't he? His pace, dribbling, crossing all completely spot on and that's just going forwards because defensively he's also a properly stellar player I I really really enjoy him when Forrest beat Leicester in the cup I was listening to a couple of podcasts which don't really focus on the championship too much and they kept saying how ridiculous it was that Middlesbrough had loaned out Jed Spence to a rival team but Borough fans don't really care because as talented as Spence is admittedly Isaiah Jones is just performing amazingly for them and I'd at the moment, I don't think Borough fans are exactly craving Spencer's return. No. But Isaiah Jones, wow. Wow, wow, oh, wow. What a season he's having. Um, following Balogun, provided a contender for assist of the season. It reminded me a lot <laughs> of that famous Gooty assist where he's back in oh, yeah. yeah, when the vast majority of players would have shot in that situation. He had the wherewithal to do that. It was simply astonishing. Borough, they're back in the top six with a game in hand on Forrest, who are just outside now wasn't a great day at the office for Derby, was it? Max Burt's got a great goal, a lovely volley from 25 y- yards out. However, I think it's safe to say this game wasn't the biggest result of the week for Derby fans, which we'll get on to a bit later on, Justin. Final point on the game, there was a young lad with a Man United shirt on who ran over to Wayne Rooney whilst the game was going on to have a selfie with him. Strangely, not the most bizarre thing I've seen in the Championship this weekend. In what will go down as one of the biggest shocks of the season, Barnsley beat QPR 1-0. Barnsley picked up points. Points from a possible 39 heading into this game while QPR had 17 points from a possible twenty-one. The championship in a nutshell, Justin Peach. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? And it's yeah it's one of the games that
1: completely defies logic. Um and sums beautifully why sums up beautifully why the championship is such a good league, because you've got, as you say, the two teams and their form um, is just ridiculous. But Barnsley were the worthy winners here. They were the much better side. They wanted it a lot more than QPR. It almost felt like QPR were complacent that they could just roll in and, and get a result, but they didn't work hard for the um, for, for what in the game at all. And um, Barnsley fully deserved the win. It was um, a brilliant performance. The the, the Loney's were a fantastic Keener and, and bassy and they've brought some quality into that final third for for Barnsley. And yeah, brilliant win for them.
0: Yeah, Queen's goal was fantastic, was Defies physics. Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened. I just assumed it must have taken a deflection, but... It just stayed, it just stayed constant, and then it lifted slightly. I, I've watched it five or six
1: times, and I cannot explain as to what is, what is going on with the uh, the
0: hit. If there wasn't a net and a stadium in the way, I'm pretty sure that ball would still be rising right now. It would probably <laughs> be passing by Mars at this point. Um, but he's looked a really good signing since... Um, being brought in from what from Watford on loan. Surprisingly good move at the time, wasn't it? But he's been a real mm. handful in the games he's played so far. Paulius Bargi's first win in his 12 games in charge. The big question is Justin. Is Justin Peach opening the door to a Barnsley great escape yet?
1: I really don't know because again this game completely defied logic. If teams turn up to Barnsley and don't work hard for a result, then Barnsley will turn teams over. Um that's the the bare minimum for teams uh for any team trying to get a result in a championship. Um I don't think I don't think I don't think opposition will be that naive coming up against Barnsley um as QPR were yesterday. So I'm not um, I'm not putting my money on Barnsley staying up yet. jory's out. Get to the end of February and they're still within a shout. I might I might change my mind.
0: It says a lot about how poor some of the teams are down there <laughs> when Barnsley are now just five points from safety after winning their first game in fourteen, doesn't it? I'm going to be the same as you. I'm going to stay in the camp that it's very unlikely for now because we have got to remember that Aspargi hadn't even taken the lead in a game yet, in the league anyway, well. um, prior <laughs> to this win. So there's still a long way to go. It's all about how they follow it up, isn't it? Because exactly. they've got some big games coming up and uh, when you finally get a win on the board, it doesn't matter. You've got to follow it up with a decent result afterwards, haven't you? Uh, this is a cl- clearly a poor result for QPR, Justin. I do find them a funny side in the way that they seem to be very reliant on either Elias chair or Chris Willock playing a blinder, don't they? And when I, when I say that, I mean more reliant on two players than the teams around them anyway. Do you see what I mean? It it often feels like if either of them don't turn up, then QPR don't have much else.
1: I sort of, I agree and both disagree um, because any team's going to rely on their most, most creative outlets to, to unlock teams in games. Um, so I disagree on that front with you, but then at the same time, if, if those two aren't having a good game, other players have got to step up, um, and and they didn't in this in this game. If they have got other players that can spark something, um, there are, there's questions to be asked. And this isn't criticism of QPR, but yeah, you know, games like this they ask more questions of of your side than winning two or three nil. In other games, so and that's why these questions come up. So yeah, there's a lot of questions to be asked about QPR and who can step up if the likes of Chair and Willick aren't quite at their best. Wing backs can they get involved a lot better? Johansson in the middle field, etc. There's a lot of a lot of um, players that could step up. Probably didn't yesterday, and um, they didn't get the result.
0: You've just named some players there. I don't see any of them as like an X factor. Exactly kind of yeah. player which I think is a problem but at the end of the day they've been doing perfectly well so far haven't they with just those two X Factor players. Admittedly they are two very very good X Factor players um, and they're still very much in the promotion hunt aren't they despite this really poor mm-hmm. result. Um, Willock did miss the game on Saturday through injury so as long as him and Chair stay fit then they've still definitely got a great chance of going up haven't they. Another crazy game came at the city ground as Forest and Stoke drew two all two late goals from both sides meant it was an entertaining finish but that all kicked off from a moment of madness by bryce samba so he's caught the ball from a corner he's running with it and gets a slight nudge from phil jagielka and then samba decides to club him one the referee gives stoke a penalty and sends samba off and keep in mind this was in the 85th minute as well it wasn't like it was early in the game we're talking right at the depth here if this was going to happen to any championship keeper it's going to be bryce samba isn't it justin it is. It's completely bizarre the fact that he's an experienced guy um,
1: and he's doing that uh, to another experienced player in Phil Jagielka who Phil knows exactly what he's doing. But that late in the game, keep your head. Um, it's that. <laughs> it's that sort of age-old age adage of actions have consequences, don't they? And it's not just a tap either; it's a it's a good old, a good old whack around the back of the head of Jackie Elka. But you've got to rely on your players, uh, your senior players in games like this, especially if you're going for the playoffs. And um, you know, I'm sure Steve Cooper will have a lot of questions for for, for Samba. But at the same time, if you take that away from Samba, that edge that he plays with, is he is is he as good uh, of a goalkeeper? I'm not I'm not so sure because he's he's a bit he's a bit wild. Um, And I like that about him.
0: (laughs) We'd be lying if we said this was the first deaf decision Samba has made this season, isn't it? Or in his whole (laughs) Forest career, for that matter. When you think of great goalkeepers, they're dependable, aren't they? They're meant to be the most calming player in the team, the one you rely Mm -hmm. on the most. But you can't really say that's the case with Samba, can you? He does have the odd game where he wins Forest points on his own. But then you have him doing stuff like this at the same time. I think Steve Cooper has got a decision to make because we're getting towards the business end of the season now. Can Forrest afford Samba to have more moments of madness like this? It's it's great entertainment as a neutral, but (laughs) as a supporter, you must be pulling your hair out when seeing one of your players doing something stupid like this anyway on the game itself both managers thought it was two points dropped here if that gives you an indication of what kind of game it was brennan johnson scored again his third in as many games without a doubt one of the inform attackers in the division for stoke josh major got his second goal his first in the league the result leaves forest two points outside the top six stoke six points off sit 13th you do get the feeling if Stoke are going to be serious contenders for the top six, then this was a game they had to get three points from. But they have got some very winnable games coming up, haven't they? Right, Justin, let's have a quick break. After that, we'll talk about a win for Birmingham and a win for Bournemouth. there guys it's Ryan I'm just checking in to tell you about the second tier betting show which is where myself and tipster Jimmy the punt pick out our best bets in the championship each weekend we've been doing it since the start of the season and have made a tasty little profit in that time with winners at prices as big as 25 to 1 we have a new episode out every Thursday and Monday if there's a full round of midweek games so if you enjoy having a flutter on the championship Why not give it a listen? Search Second Tier Betting on your favourite podcast platform. Welcome back to the second tier podcast at St Andrews. There was another shock result and another game with protests. Birmingham beat Luton 3-0. Birmingham with one win in 11 prior to this weekend. Luton had lost just once in their last nine games the championship ladies and gentlemen. Birmingham fans threw lemons and tennis balls onto the pitch during this game as they continue to show their disapproval at the way the club is being run. At one point a steward walked onto the pitch when Luton were attacking to clear away a tennis ball. They had to dodge out of the way of Elijah Adebayo as he was running with the ball, which was certainly a bizarre incident. Uh, But the game itself ended up being strangely straightforward for Blues in the end, didn't it? Luton do seem to do this, don't they, Justin? Every one in five or six games, they just simply don't turn up. Well, the fact
1: that Luton have conceded five goals to Birmingham City this season... Uh, sorry, eight goals uh to Birmingham City this season that I told you everything about um, you know, the, the the uh Jinx, uh not Jinx, but sort of um one of those bogey, bogey teams team. for for Luton. Yeah. yeah. Um but Birmingham, yeah, but they were really, really good here. And I think it's one of those games that's sort of been coming because Birmingham City are one of those sides who frustratingly miss a lot of good chances. Um and they didn't uh, in this game against Luton. They were they were fantastic and you know, it felt like they had a, a bit more of an edge going forwards. Lyle Taylor for the first goal was fantastic, obviously scored the second one as well. And Hernandez is another one. The, the three the three new players that have come in in January have really transformed how Birmingham play going forwards. It's just defensively, they are a bit of a shambles, but a lot better here. Um, obviously, if you've got a steward uh, who's doing a bit of business for you at the back as well, it's, it's, always, it's always helpful. But yeah, not helped by Luton being poor, but Birmingham City also made them look poor
0: as well. Yeah, but the three new signings you just mentioned there all got on the score sheet here, didn't they? And mm-hmm. Birmingham fans have been complaining about how the club has been recruiting, but it seems like in this window they've played a bit of a blinder, haven't they, with Hernandez, Taylor and Bakuna, who all look three really handy players. I will say Bakuna and Hernandez, in the times that I've seen them previously, are the kind of players who will have a, a few good games, but then will go off for... Um, the next few good games after that. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is just a purple patch they're seeing now. But Lyle Taylor is a consistent goal scorer at this level when he's playing in a system that suits him. And yeah. right now they're playing in a system that suits him and he's scoring goals for fun, isn't he? He's, is this his third game in a row now that he's scored? Or fourth mm-hmm. game, maybe even. He's playing superbly at the moment. Blackpool were so close to pulling off a great result at home to Bournemouth. They were one and up until the 86th minute and then Scott Parker's side came back to win 2-1. The Seasiders can feel very hard done by, can't they? Because not only was it a late comeback, but they kept Mark Travers busy in the Bournemouth goal, didn't they? This wasn't the kind of game where they scored and then sat back. They were giving as good against Bournemouth as they were getting. Well, Blackpool do this, they set up really, really well against some of the top teams. Look at that Fulham
1: game um, a couple of weeks ago where they they come away with a 1-1 draw. They were fantastic in the second half and arguably probably had chances to win it. Um, Didn't quite go for them. Um, and it's the same here. They come up against a team that is full of individual quality everywhere. Um, but then you've got players like Josh Bowler pulling off goals like he did. Um, and, and defensively, they were really, really good as well. If your opposition keeper is is man of the match, um, like Mark Travers was for, for Bournemouth, he, he's he's won them the game, essentially. Um, then you've done something right. It's just a bit of a sickening. Obviously, the, the goal comes quite late. Um, and and they come away with nothing. It's 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 a bruising one, but it's a it's a good learning curve as well for the team.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think Blackpool definitely deserve a lot of credit for the performance they put in here. They are definitely a unit, like you say. Um, Mark Travers was definitely man of the match once. He? he was absolutely fantastic. In fact, I think this is the kind of game which showed why Travers was included in our halfway team of the season not long ago because he's obviously not going to be as busy as other championship keepers is he i think that's a given but when he is called upon like he was here he is a really really good goalkeeper he's made two unbelievable stops in this game couldn't do anything about the blackpool goal but it was absolutely brilliant sensational for me the best goalkeeper in the league i'd say without a shadow of the doubt not just for his form here but in terms of his overall quality when um Bournemouth bringing a goalkeeper like Freddie Woodman as well who's been a solid keeper for the past couple of seasons for Swansea yeah. you thought maybe his position may be under threat but he's now staving off that challenge and fully deserving it with performances like this isn't he so yeah Travers absolute class um, I did just talk about it then Justin Josh Bowler's goal can we give that a bit of airtime? that was a beauty wasn't it Scott, we've, we've got to he's, he's, he's getting
1: better every week and we were We've said before um, that the only thing that let him down—that that was letting his game down—was his numbers, and he's starting to produce numbers-wise as, uh, as well. And the fact that I think he—he he, he was linked with a lot of teams. We turned Bournemouth down, didn't he? Of, I think he turned Bournemouth down in the January transfer window for a triple his salary to stay at Blackpool, which is fantastic. And he—and he pulls pulls the goal off. He's—he's he's a brilliant footballer. And the conditions were terrible um, in the game yesterday, uh, and you've got players with the graceful. Gracefulness that he has and the skill that he's got and he's able to
0: produce that is, is fantastic he's yeah he's, he's such a good player to watch uh, yeah we love him yeah we are becoming a bit of a Josh Bowler podcast aren't we because I think this is this <laughs> the fifth show we've mentioned him in a row now when Pretty he's much. playing as well as he is it's difficult to ignore him isn't it because he has been another of the most informed attackers in the division this season or in the past few games I should say um, absolute class the other thing worth mentioning from the game was Dominic Solanke's penalty, which was very bad. It was one of them where he's waiting for the goalkeeper to move, into. When you do that, you need to be 100% confident with what you're doing. Otherwise, you get the result here and it was just a very, very bad penalty. But Bournemouth, they stay in the top two with this win. Five points clear of Blackburn, who play on Monday night. The Yorkshire derby between Huddersfield and Sheffield United finished nil-nil, But there was plenty of refereeing controversy to be had. Huddersfield had two good penalty shouts turned down and had a goal disallowed. What are you saying, Justin? A goal and two penalties? No goal and no penalties? No goal, a penalty? What do you think? I
1: have no idea what you just said. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to say that that should have been a goal. Arguably, if it isn't a goal, it should be a penalty for Huddersfield because Danny Ward gets dragged down um, and that bundles the keeper over. So if they're not given the goal, then it's got to be a penalty, not a free kick to Sheffield United. Um, The other two penalties... Questionable. Um, I'd perhaps give one of them, but it's mainly the the goal that's allowed for me. That is, you know, sometimes we can get carried away whenever we talk about decisions. But that, for me, and I said it on Twitter yesterday, arguably one of the worst decisions I've seen in in a football match. um It's sort of like the ghost goal because at no point is the referee certain. It takes him a long time to make the decision. At no point is he certain as to what he's giving. Uh, you know, I've heard supporters say that the fourth official's giving it. Why the fourth official's giving it from where he is, I don't know. How he's not seeing the pull on Danny Ward, I don't know. It's a very good goal. Um, and I'm just left scratching my head as to what the referee and the officials are thinking with that one because
0: it's it's truly, truly remarkable how they've come to the conclusion that they have with that one. It's, it's really, really poor. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Um, I don't think Danny Ward You can say he's done much wrong there. Has he? He's done nothing.
1: He's done <laughs> nothing. He's been pulled over. So, yeah. He's done absolutely yeah. nothing.
0: It's yeah, I'm not b- bad. I'm not entirely sure what the letter of the law is with that situation, but the goal should have stood for me as well. Um, with regards to the penalties, I'd say they should have had. One, I think the Pippa one, well, I think it was Pippa, um, was brought down and mm-hmm. there were definitely a tangle of feet in there. <laughs> Overall, I think Huddersfield had the decisions go against them, but Sheffield United had the better chances. So, exactly. make of that yeah. what you will. Huddersfield stay in the top six, although they have played more games than all the sides around them. Sheffield United, three points off with games in hand. Strangely, they've got five home games in their next six, which I'm assuming is because of postponed games in December. But certainly... Chance for Paul Heckingbottom's boys to steal a march on plenty of sides, Justin. Yeah, that's quite incredible, isn't it?
1: I mean, fair play to the fans as well. That's that's going to be... It's going to feel tiring as a home support. It's, sort of,
0: it's going to be second home for the next Is couple it? of weeks, isn't it? It's, 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 I think, if, if anything, it's ideal, isn't it? You just get to go Bramall Lane or, or for the next uh, few weeks. Not if you've got commitments, Ryan. Not if you've got commitments. What if you're working away? It's going to be alright. right pain in the backside. At
1: least you get to see team. Know. If you got there commitments that. then
0: you wouldn't be able to go to an away game, would you? That is true. I, I don't know
1: where, I don't know what angle I'm coming from here. I just find it very taxing going to Derby, obviously.
0: I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Preston made it six games unbeaten after winning 1-0 away at Peterborough. James Brightling on Twitter asks, how many goals will Cameron Archer score for England in Qatar? What do you think, Justin? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, it keeps it up. He'll score quite a few. I just, what can we say about Cameron Archer? His, his goal is just a display of his quality again. He's back to the player, turns and swivels and, and fires that one into the top corner. He's... He's a good player, isn't he? What else can we say? I, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of him. I hope there's, there's going to be more games where we, where we can see his quality. What a, what a pick, what a pick up he
0: was in January. The more I'm seeing of him, the more surprised I am that a Preston managed to sign him, and b we haven't heard about him before. If you see what I mean, yeah, because he has been yeah so good, hasn't he, and the fact he's not played much senior football prior to this is. Very, very strange to me, but he has been unbelievable so far this season. Definitely one of the signings of the January window. Six games unbeaten now for Preston. A run like this pretty much seemed a million miles away under Frankie Mm. McAvoy, didn't it? I I have been surprised by how different a side they look. I was a big fan of Ryan Lowe's appointments, and I thought they would improve, but they're doing even better than I thought they would. They're only four points off the top six now, Justin. Surely i have played more games than all the other sides, but... For them to be at this stage when they were 18th uh, when Lowe took over is pretty remarkable, isn't it? He is doing a great job and I think it paints a really promising picture for next season. When I'd expect them to still be in the Championship, bar a minor miracle, because I still, I still think the top six is unlikely. But as things are going now, I think Preston fans must be absolutely buzzing.
1: You would be, wouldn't you? And the thing that um, surprises me is they're a lot better at the, the things that I didn't think they would be quite good at at this point. Defensively, they've been really, really solid. They've been very, very organised. They've been very, very structured. Sure, they can probably score more goals and create more chances, but um, you know that's the side of the game that I thought they, they, they'd um, be improving at. Uh, and they are improving at it, but defensively, they've been absolutely brilliant, which is something that dogged them uh, earlier on in the season under McAvoy. So, yeah, really, really good run of form. Um is the playoffs too too far away from them? Maybe. But as you say, for them to be above the likes of Coventry, Stoke, Millwall is uh, at this stage is
0: yeah, it's wow. Good great job from I know. He's, he's, he's a very good manager as we're as we're seeing. Yeah, great job. One win in fifteen for Peterborough and one point in seven games. They're next two are Reading at home and Derby away. Six points Six a time justice. <laughs> <laughs> six pointers you're quite right but at the same time you've got to praise them for this
1: performance because it's a lot better than what they've been putting out um, so much better um, they, they need to produce that sort of performance on a weekly basis we've said this before which is why we're we're almost kicking us not kicking ourselves but we're saying it through gritted teeth at the minute it's just it's not good enough not consistent enough um, but as I say they created a lot of chances probably deserved something from the game but that's where that's where the luck is at the moment
0: I'm just looking at their recent results in the league, that is. They've they've failed to score in four of their last five games. So it's clear where the problems lie. Um, I think I've said it a million times before, when you've got a player like Johnson Clark Harris in the team, who, as we all know, scored a hatful in League One last season. And he just looks a shadow of the player you got now. And then you've also got the likes of Marriott, for example. What can you say? The problems are obvious, aren't they? With uh, where they need to improve, but mm-hmm. I, I struggle to see that improving, quite frankly, right now because of the poor results of poor results they've had recently. The next two games are vital to save their season, quite frankly, aren't they? In the Steve Morrison Derby, it ended up being Millwall two, Cardiff one. Only Gary Rowett's second win in seven games. He continues to just do enough to avoid serious questions being <laughs> asked about his job. Uh, Cardiff had three games on the trot heading into this, um, had won three games on the trial, I should say, heading into this. So a bit disappointing from their perspective. As we're recording this, the game that's happening on Sunday afternoon is Swansea at home to Bristol City. To give us an idea of how that game went, here's Justin Peach from the future.
1: Ooh, this is Justin from the future and it's good news for Swansea fans as they beat Bristol City 3-1 and it was an inspired second half performance that got them the win. After being second best for much of the first half, Russell Martin got his team going in the second and he'll be delighted at his side coming from behind to win the game as well as having two strikes on the score sheet through Joel Pirro and Michael Obafemi. This was a much improved performance after the defeat in midweek against Stoke. As for Bristol City, their poor away form continues as this defeat now means they've won just two points from a possible 30 on the road, having gone 10 without a win. They've not won away from home since October now. The defeat also means that Bristol City have unfortunately dropped yet more points from winning positions, probably leaving supporters bewildered at their side's inability to manage games and Nigel Pearson
0: scratching his head at yet more dropped points from being in the lead. Thank you, Justin, from the future. And the final game of the weekend hasn't even happened yet. It's a massive game on Monday night between West Brom and Blackburn, but we'll discuss that game in Thursday's episode. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news, and there's been a gigantic breakthrough. For the future of Derby County, former owner Mel Morris has come to a resolution with Steve Gibson at Middlesbrough. It means one of the legal claims, which was blocking a takeover at the club, has been removed. The Wiccan claim is still on the table, but you simply cannot understate how much of a big development this is, Justin, for the future of Derby County Football Club. Yeah, it's it's massive. Uh, it, 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 even as a support, I, I felt
1: sort of a massive weight lifted off my shoulders. A lot more reassurance. That's you know, resolution for Derby County's future is, is going to be found. As you know, as you say, it, it was the main hurdle for the administrators in terms of naming a, a, um, a preferred bidder, and now it's been sorted. Um, the future of Derby County. We can all look a little bit more positively towards towards that future. Because as I say, the last. The last two months especially have been have been very, very tough as a as a football supporter for, for Derby. Um a lot of fans have, have really struggled over the past yeah, six, seven weeks. So yeah, it's it's a massive reassurance and let's just get on with the football now. It's as simple as that. All that's behind us, let's just get on with the football.
0: Don't get too carried away, Justin. Still got the Wickham claim on the table. Um you know more about this than me. How long do you think it will take for the Wickham claim to be sorted out? Because I don't think Wickham are asking for as much money as Middlesbrough, are they? No, but it's I, I, the weird thing is the administrators almost
1: brushed it off when they were talking to the local radio stations. They almost brushed it off and said, uh, in a roundabout way, we're not too fussed about it. It's not going to be an issue for um, the next owner. Um, so whether or not they decide to take it to court or whether it's going to get sorted behind the scenes, I, I, I don't know. But it's still on the table, um, but no one's, no one's really talking about it. It's like that weird uncle at a party. No one really talks about them. Um, and that's what Wickham, Wickham, Wickham's claim feels like at the moment.
0: <laughs> I don't know who your inc- uncle is, but, uh, fair, but not fair enough. Um, <laughs> well, you, you'd say right now that, I, I think this time last week, the the future of Derby County was looking like it was more likely to end in liquidation than it ends in a solution. But now it's completely swung the other way, hasn't it? And I think, hopefully in a month's time... Derby will finally have a takeover sorted, won't they? You'd have thought, anyway, with this massive development. That's how big it is. So hopefully we can finally put this back to bed and Derby can focus on staying up this season. And then, if that does happen, the miracle is complete and then can look ahead to the future. Let's move on. Blackburn keeper Thomas Kaminski has signed a new deal to keep him at the club until 2025 massive news for Rovers this isn't it Justin he was out of contract in the summer and you could make a fair argument that he's been the most consistent goalkeeper in the division since signing last season yeah certainly arguments for it Um, I like like Kaminsky a lot Um,
1: and as you say this is massive news because the really good run of form Blackburn have had this season has probably overshadowed the the contract situations for a lot of players um, going into the end of the season so that's that's one down there's just a few more to go so fingers crossed they can they can get a couple of others over the line and, and whatever happens at the end of the season whether we're in the championship or the Premier League they
0: can they can build upon it who have they got they've got Rothwell Lenehan Are they both out of contract Nyambe I think is out of contract as well Braverton Diaz is but he's got a deal he's got an yeah. option to extend Tanti so yeah Mowbray, yeah. Um, so there's definitely issues that need to be sorted out, but Kaminsky's a good way to go in the right direction. isn't it? Steve Morrison says he wants the Cardiff job full-time. He says he believes he's done enough to earn it permanently. Right now he's got the gig until the end of the season. Do you agree with him, Justin? Do you think he has done enough to get the Cardiff job?
1: I think he has. Um, I know we had question marks over him because... Yeah, he was an under-23s coach coming into a first team setup. It doesn't always work out. There are always a lot of question marks when that when that sort of step up happens. But I think he has convinced me. There's a, there's been a especially over the last three games, Millwall result aside. There's been a lot of a lot of change, um, and you've got to allow someone like Steve Morrison to build uh, in the long term. So making that long term appointment needs to happen. At the same time, they're in a similar situation with Mick McCarthy. So I'd probably wait till the end of the season to make sure that firstly they they are safe and in the championship and secondly that they do have time to make the right decision
0: Yeah you've always got to keep that in the back of your mind haven't you with how the (laughs) last caretaker manager did when he got the job permanently and I think I agree with you Morrison has done enough to earn the job now The, the results have undeniably improved haven't they since he was appointed to be fair they couldn't have got much worse. But um they're going well at the moment. And that's been helped by the recruitment they've done in January. In my personal opinion, I think Cardiff fans give him a lot more praise than he deserves. I'm just saying that as an outsider looking in. I, I don't think Cardiff fans will be as happy with him in a normal season. That doesn't include three very poor teams and two with points deductions. But that's the world we're living in. So, uh, fans seem mostly happy with him don't they it seems like they'd be on board with him having the job beyond the season the majority of them at least anyway um I've still got reservations about whether he'll be a long-term success I think tactically he's been a bit naive at times but it's still early days he's got time to learn um compare it to Carlos Corbran last season that was his first job it? and now look at how he's doing at Huddersfield this season superb um so he learned from having a Mm-hmm. A so-so first season yeah. um, in management didn't he um, and he, he's got an eagerness to play young players at the same time hasn't he which I, I really like it as, in him mm-hmm. as a manager so I say give him the job I'd be surprised if they went down at this point so they may as well start preparing for the future by giving Morrison a bit of certainty uh, Tauf Chong has returned to Birmingham after having thigh surgery in November, he went to went back to Manchester United to continue his rehab. Uh, but he's now gone back to complete the season with Lee Bowyer's team. Um, I didn't know this was a thing, Justin. I thought once he got recalled, that was it. He won't be coming back. But if he's coming back, that's a massive boost for them. And he's expected to be back playing again in a couple of weeks' time.
1: Yeah, he's massive to the the Bowyer system as well. Um, he is a transcreating monster, um, and it was such a shame to see him get injured. Uh, when he did as well because he's, he's, he was in really good form um, and Birmingham City are one of those sides because of their form over the last sort of 10 or 12 games I'd have put a question mark over them whether or not they could be sucked into a relegation battle essentially but him coming back into the side and a, a positive result yesterday and, and the other loan he's performing very very well certainly uh, reassures me that they're not. that's not going to be the case for them this season but yeah he's, he's a massive player and um, yeah it, it, they're very important to Birmingham City
0: yeah 100% I uh, I think he'll be massive because he was that X-factor for Birmingham earlier in season one. He was getting so much praise from Birmingham fans for his performances and he's just an exciting player to watch and has also got massive hair. Uh, Bournemouth striker (laughs) Kiefer Moore is set to miss the next two months after breaking his foot. I think, to be honest, that's a bigger loss for Wales than it is Bournemouth, isn't it? They've got the World Cup playoffs next month, which... (laughs) isn't ideal for the Welsh of Welsh listeners of the podcast. Uh, Barnsley have issued banning orders to 25 supporters for antisocial behaviour and public disorder at recent matches. A lot of the incidents have taken place at away games, particularly at the FA Cup game against Huddersfield last week. The club has promised to improve security at Oakwell and to pay for enhanced police and stewarding assistance, which is interesting and finally the documentary about Derby boss Wayne Rooney has been released on Amazon Prime he says he's got as much fire as ever to be a success in football have you had a chance to watch it yet Justin
1: I haven't no it's yeah, it's birthday weekend for both of us it's been very busy so I might get a chance to do it uh, later today after we record so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it to be fair
0: any chance to see Derby tracksuit I'm very happy to be perfectly honest I, I did watch it and it didn't tell me much that I didn't already know if, if I'm being completely <sighs> brutal about the whole thing. Cynic. It, well, it, You being a Derby fan, there isn't much about him as Derby manager. It's more focused on him as a player. But it's a decent watch. If anyone's got a spare hour and a half, then give it a go. <laughs> he's a fascinating character,
1: isn't he? And he, By the sounds of it, he could have gone the way Paul Gascoigne did after his career. So yeah. he's done very well to sort of recover from that. Not to get yeah. anything away. I think a lot, of, a lot has come out in the press. So don't be such a buzzkill.
0: I'm just saying, I'm he, saying, I think a lot of it... We, we already knew but it, it, it's a decent enough watch but you're absolutely right considering we're talking about someone who was called the white pele when he was 18 years old <laughs> it's uh, incredible that he's um still managed to go on to have a brilliant career and is now doing a really good job as a manager as well so yeah um decent watch that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> right now it's time for this hi simon grayson Edge. Yes, it's time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show, Matt Broclair from the Fulham Focus podcast. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. All they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say name the last eight World Cup finalists, and Matt would say France, that's one down, and Justin would say Germany, that's another down. But if Justin would say Burkina Faso, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. Of course, there's only two of you. Usually, we do this with three people. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an extra life. So if one of you gets one wrong, you have another crack after that. So it's an interesting one this week. Can you boys name for me the eight highest ranked teams in the EFL that have just one word in their name? So for example, fun. So I'm looking for the top eight based on where they're currently sat in the Football League as well. And um, This is important. Teams that have the prefix AFC do not count on this list. So Bournemouth for example. Um, So we shall kick things off with you, Matt, who is you're furiously shaking your head in disapproval.
2: Because I can't think of any, that's why. <laughs> now, the, the one
0: you support may be a good
2: thing. Well, yeah, I know, off. but I know. I'm just trying to think one step ahead. Yeah, we'll go Fulham, obviously.
0: Yeah, definitely. Fulham are top. They're sat so high in the Championship that they're basically in the Premier League already. Justin, your go? Um... The first
1: one that came to my head was Burnley, obviously not in in the EFL, but Barnsley came up
0: next. That is correct. Barnsley are the sixth highest ranked team. Keep in mind the bottom of the championship. So, Matt, it's your go next. I'm
2: struggling. The the only name that's come into my mind, and I don't even know what what division they're in anymore, is, um, is Gillingham. Gillingham
0: are not on there. Mm-hmm. I, be- I believe they're in League One, aren't they, Justin? I'm right Yeah, that. they are. But Gillingham came to my head as well. I thought they. Yeah, came. Gillingham are 22nd, uh, so they are 10th if this list were to carry on. So that's one life down already. You've got two so far. Um, that means it's Justin's go again. See, the, the one that's coming to my head again is
1: Blackpool, but I don't know if they're AFC. And I don't—they're not town either. So I'm going to go with
2: Middlesbrough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Middlesbrough are the second team on this list. Matt, it's your go again.
2: Um, well, I live in Reading.
0: Absolutely. Reading sat fifth in this particular list. So you've got four so far. You've lost your one life, but both of you still in so far. So four to go, Justin. Millwall? Absolutely. Millwall fourth on this list. Matt, it's your go. Blackpool. Yeah, yeah. Blackpool are just Blackpool. (laughs) Um, So you've got the top six, which means you've got all the championship sides. That means you're dropping down to League One now. (laughs) Justin, you've got two left.
1: Um, I'm trying to think who's top. You've got Wigan, Rotherham for Wednesday, Uh, Portsmouth.
0: Portsmouth are in there. They're eighth. That means you've got one left. Can you figure out the final one-word team? Is it Sunderland? It is Sunderland. You're absolutely right. You've got it. Get in. There you go. Well done. Justin, you seem a bit confused about that. (laughs) I I thought Sunderland were AFC. No, it's Sunderland AFC, not AFC Sunderland. Ah, that's Now buzzing structure. then. Yeah, very happy with that. There yeah, you're buzzing, yeah. There yeah. you go. It's, it's a bit like, a, you know, when VAR. David Marshall saved the penalty for Scotland in the Euros yeah. and didn't know whether to celebrate yet because of VAR. <laughs> that's kind of what Justin just had there. It's well done, chaps. Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight conquered by you both. So congratulations there, Matt. You just can't stop winning at the moment.
2: <laughs> I know. I know. Unbelievable. <laughs>
0: There you go. Football teams winning all the time, winning in Simon Grayson's hate play. What a time to be Matt Barclay. And that brings an end to the second tier podcast for another week. We'll be back again on Thursday to talk about the midweek round of games, including West Brom and Blackburn on Monday night. But a quick thank you to our guest on the show this week, Matt Barclay from the Fulham Focus podcast. Thank you for your time
2: today. Cheers. Just just before I go as well, I know I said to you in the week that I didn't want to bring this up, but I just wanted to say about the the Paul Parish situation how unbelievable the club have been um to to his family so um it's just just an important thing because his his daughter is a is a good friend of mine and um and they've really looked after her and that that sort of thing's really important as well because you know we've had a really good season on the pitch but we've got some amazing people off the pitch as well so just wanted to yeah, say that so on. thank you
0: spot on no problem this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on thursday i've been ryan dilks i've been just a peach